Okay, we are in part seven in our series. We're in the book of Acts. We're going verse by verse, and we're taking note of the heroes of the faith that emerge from these pages as we read along. And we've been learning, and this is what God does in every age, it doesn't matter when, he raises up people, ordinary people, and he uh, raises them up to serve in an extraordinary way, and we call this a hero of the faith. And this morning, we're going to take note of actually seven individuals. You'll be introduced to their names later, and we're going to see how they model a trait of heroic faith that God is calling all of us to model. And when you step out and you model this trait, your, your faith and your life will grow spiritually, and it will also lead to an adventure in your life. How many of you like adventures? You know, we all do. And when we move in this area, it does lead to an adventurous life. And so I want us to uh, read uh, this about this trait this morning. You should be in Acts chapter 6. We'll read verses 1 to 7. And let's, uh, let me do a little explaining as we go along. In those days when the number of disciples was increasing. Now, in the book of Acts, this is the birth of the church. It's the expansion of the church. And it starts in Jerusalem. And the church is continuing to grow. Most scholars believe at this time, it's like 20,000 believers in Jerusalem. So it, the church is increasing, and, but yet something happens. The Hellenistic Jews, these were those who were influenced by Greek culture. There comes an issue. Among them, these Hellenistic Jews, they complained against the Hebraic Jews, which were like the, the Hebrew origin Jews, the pure ones, so to speak. And there was this issue that arose because their widows, the Hellenistic Greek-influenced widows, were being overlooked in the daily distribution of food. The church in Jerusalem was a church that was persecuted. It was a, a poor church. And there was this distribution of food that was just helping to feed the Christians back then. And there was this kind of racist tension that was, you know, playing out even in the church. So the 12 gathered all the disciples together and said, you know, it would not be right for us to neglect the ministry of the word of God in order to wait on tables. We need to be serving food. But there are certain things that we need to be doing. The church is growing and the apostles were helping out with this area. And they come up with a solution. Brothers and sisters, choose seven men from among you who are known to be full of the Spirit and wisdom, and we're going to turn this responsibility over to them. And we'll give our attention to prayer and the ministry of the Word. This proposal pleased the whole group, so they chose Stephen, a man full of faith and of the Holy Spirit, also Philip, Procurus, Nicanor, Timon, Parmenes, and Nicholas from Antioch, a convert a convert to Judaism. They presented these men to the apostles who prayed and laid their hands on them. So the word of God spread. The number of disciples in Jerusalem increased rapidly and a large number of priests became obedient to the faith. Okay, let me give you our hero of the faith trait, okay? It's this. One of the most heroic things you can do is willingly serve when extended the opportunity. I want you to think about that. When you willingly respond with a thumbs up, okay, I'll serve the Lord. I'll serve in that ministry or that opportunity when someone invites you in leadership to do so, 
you automatically, that is a heroic act. You are entering into the realm of a hero of the faith. Now, have you noticed that there are three kinds of people uh, in life? I'm sure you've noticed this. There are those who watch things happen. There are those who wonder what happened. And there are those who make things happen. Have you seen that? Like even at work, I guarantee at work, whatever your work is, I know. There are, you would say, yep, there are those at work that watch things happen. Then there are others that just wonder what happened. And then there's a group of people that make things happen. It's the same thing in the church. Many people come to the church, they watch things happen. Some just wonder, kind of clueless, what is happening. And then others, like, actually engage and become part of making things happen. In every arena of life, that is the case. So a hero of the faith is someone who actually helps things happen. And they engage when given the opportunity to do so. Now, let me give you four observations about church growth from our passage, because the context is growth within the church that's happening right now. Just, you know, maybe you haven't thought deeply, and these are just observations, but this, these, are, these four dynamics are happening in the church constantly, especially in a growing church. And you need to understand this so we get the context, and then we can go into this hero of the faith trait. Church growth is exciting, but it always brings challenges. It is exciting. Our church is growing, but with it always comes challenges. Doesn't matter. Any kind of growth brings challenges. Challenges get resolved when spiritual leaders form a plan and heroic believers willingly serve to solve the challenge. And this is what's going on. You got this daily distribution of food, and uh, the church is growing, it's getting bigger, and, and the, the apostles come up with a plan. They're going to find some heroes of the faith to to fill the gap, so to speak, and to solve this issue. The result of this dynamic is greater church, church growth, which eventually brings more challenges. It's like a company. A company grows, and the same principle is true there. It gets bigger, and then the next level, you have more challenges. And here's the last thing. Spiritual leadership and willing heroic servants are always needed for church growth. If the church is going to continue to grow, you need leadership and you need willing servants that come in and fill in the gap and it just all rises. Now, with that dynamic in mind, again, our hero of the faith trait, one of the most heroic things you can do, this is our trait number seven in the book, is willingly serve when extended the opportunity by spiritual leaders. Now, I want you to talk about this one at your table before we go further. Can you share about a time when you just willingly served, when you were extended the opportunity? This can be a small thing. It can be a big thing. It doesn't matter. Just a time when someone in leadership, not necessarily a pastor, but someone in an area, uh, they were leading an area, uh, invited you in to help, and you kind of, yeah, okay, I'll help out. Maybe it's, you know, taking down chairs, whatever. Just give an illustration of when you were invited in and you kind of helped with that ministry. Talk about that. Go for it. So when you enter in, when you say, yeah, I'll pitch in, I'll help, whether it's just a, a ministry in the moment you're helping or you're like, hey, I'm in. I'll serve. I'll join that area. And maybe it's six months, a year. That is a mark of someone who is heroic. You have reached hero of the faith status by saying I'll serve. Now, 
Let me tell you the story of Andre. Andre uh, attended followers. He uh, is a gentleman that I got to know, like many of you. Oftentimes, there are 600 people that, that attend this ministry in every given month. And it takes me a while to get to know all of you. I'm still working on it, you know? Uh, but I had gotten to know Andre at a distance, and uh, then someone had shared with me what he did for a living, and it caught my attention, so I called him. And I said, Andre, it came to my attention, is this the case? What do, you, do, you, do you do this for a living? Are you an advisor for uh, financial, you know, 500 company executives? Do you, do you, is this what you do? This is what I've heard. And he goes, yeah, actually, I am. I said, like, what do you do? And he goes, well, I travel all over the country and I lecture and on financial management and uh, executives from all over the United States show up. I go, well, where are you going to be next? He said, New York. I go, how many will be there? He said, it's about 200 executives. I said, wow. I said, Andre, is there a way next Sunday that you teach in followers and I will sit? And he, there was a pause on the other end and he said, Mark, that would be my greatest honor. And I said, you're a godly man. I know that, and would you just bless our ministry, you know, incorporate scripture, but just teach us some financial management principles. And so uh, he did so. It was phenomenal. Some of you may remember when he shared. Well, a few months after that, Andre had a massive heart attack, and he died. And I was invited to do his funeral, and I'll never forget that funeral, because there were executives from all over the United States, and in fact, the world that showed up, paid tribute to Andre. But then I'll never forget a moment, and it really changed my life. At the end of that service, his wife gets up, and she shares about Andre, and she shares, you know, this is a man that, that touched many lives. Many are you, of you are here from all over the United States, and in fact, the world, paying tribute to Andre and the blessing he was to you. But she said, but I need to share with you the greatest moment in Andre's life, in his entire career, and then she pointed at me. She goes, it was when Pastor Mark invited Andre just a few months ago to share with his church family his gift. And I sat there in kind of shock. And I'm like taking this in as a pastor, and that's when it hit me, and I've called it the Andre principle ever since, and it's this. Serving the Lord is one of the highest privileges you will ever experience in life. It does not get much better than when you are able to give back to your church the gift that God has given you. That is a beautiful moment. So here's the question I want to kind of pose to you this morning is this. How can you become a believer who's extended the opportunity by church leadership to use the gift that God has given you in ministry. There were a minimum of 20,000 believers in Jerusalem at this time in church history. Seven of them were selected to serve in this area of the distribution of food, which was an honor. Any time you serve in the church, it is an honor. It does not matter what you do. It is an honor. So how do you become a believer who gets selected? Many of you are constantly being asked to serve. Uh, there are perhaps many of you who are seldom asked to maybe serve. Why is that? 
Is there, you know, drill into that a little bit and just let the Holy Spirit speak you. Why is that the case? And how is it that you can position yourself as a follower of Christ to be more likely to receive invitations to serve the Lord? And this is what we're going to find answered this morning. So here's a principle that I want to give to you as we're kind of building this moment where we're going to uh, get into really what we're going to talk about. But I want you to understand that choosing certain believers for specific ministry opportunities by spiritual leaders, this is the biblical pattern. This is how God has set up his church. Uh, you see it modeled by Jesus in Luke chapter 6. Jesus went out to a mountainside to pray and spent the night praying to God. When morning came, he called his disciples to him and chose 12 of them whom he designated apostles. Spiritual leaders are, and I'm going to talk, just kind of, kind of, you know, draw back the curtain, just let you know what it's like a little bit to be a pastor. I am constantly praying, Holy Spirit, lead me. This church is growing. We need more leaders who are those leaders to be? And I'm praying for people because this is how Jesus did ministry. He spent the whole night in prayer and then called. He didn't make an announcement. Hey, who wants to be 12? The 12. No, 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 no. He chose. He selected. And the same is to be, this is what's happening in Acts chapter 6. The apostles are selecting, choosing uh, those that would serve. So it's a tremendous honor but it's also, I have to tell you, it's, it's, it's a thing that is to be taken very seriously. Because if you have the wrong leaders in a position of ministry, let me tell you, that can be devastating to a ministry and even a church. And it's something that uh, leaders should be on their knees about, praying for, you know, whatever ministry it is. It does not matter. All ministry is important, and uh, we need to be looking at it with prayer as leaders. Now, you can make it super easy on pastors, watch this, if you just develop the right stuff in your life. It's all about character. Ministry is not so much about your ability as it is your availability and really who you become and are. It's about character. So as you develop these six things we're going to talk about today, the likelihood of you being asked is just going to increase. As you reflect these six things we're going to talk about, um, this will help spiritual leaders. And I'm not talking just about pastors. I'm talking about any, we have over 100 ministries at this church led by certain leaders, godly people, and, and the likelihood that you will be requested to join a team really corresponds to are these six things evident in your life? And you can also look at your job, your employment. Uh, if you model these six things, the likelihood that you will be up for promotion will greatly increase because this is all about character that we're going to see. So let me give you these six traits that really heroic servants of the faith, they're constantly developing, growing in. None of us arrives at these things like perfectly. It's something that we're just cognizant of, we're aware of, we're growing in. And these are the things that the apostles uh, chose these seven people for because they were manifesting these things. And God bless you, that was... <laughs> That's the first thing. Heroic servants can sneeze really good. No. Here we go. Number one, heroic servants become faithful. They develop faithfulness. 
You know, Woody Allen, (laughs) first time I think I've quoted Woody Allen, okay? But he said 80% of success is just what? Showing up. Just being there. Wow. And you know what? So many of you, I look around this room, most all of you are serving in an area really at our church. And the reason why is because you are so faithful. You are so consistent. You're constantly around. You just are. Now look at chapter 6, verse 3. Brothers and sisters, choose seven from among you who are known, who are known to be full of the Holy Spirit. But it says, from among you. Choose from among you. So how are you in this area? Are you consistently among God's people? Are you consistently present around? One of the most important things that I look for is faithfulness in someone. Uh, 1 Corinthians 4.2, now it is required that those who have been given a trust, and he's speaking about ministry, must prove faithful. Faithfulness, just being there. There is a gentleman that, uh, you know, would uh, attend followers. He no longer is, but uh, super guy. Went out to lunch with him and just an amazing resume for teacher, brilliant, knew the Bible. And, and his passion was to teach. He wanted to teach in followers. And I said, well, hey, that, that definitely can be something we can work toward. Uh, but I just said, let's begin by just you showing up. I mean, he had attended here maybe once or twice. And I said, you know, let's start with that so you can get to know the group and we can get to know you. And he was so inconsistent. I mean, just never showed up. And it's like, that's the first sign that's not the guy you want teaching. Are you following me? I mean, faithfulness is so important. Your Proverbs chapter 20, verse 6 says, Many claim to have unfailing love, but a faithful person who can find... A lot of people claim a lot of things. You know what I'm saying? They can talk and claim. But watch this. Faithfulness is what qualifies you to serve the Lord anywhere. It's one of the qualifications. 1 Timothy 3.2 says, Now the overseer is to be faithful to his wife. How's your faithfulness to your family? 1 Timothy 3.12, again, a deacon must be faithful to his wife. Um, When I think about faithfulness, I don't know if you, when we were younger, we used to always vacation, looking at my parents over there, to Montana, because that's where I'm from, and we would always go through uh, Yellowstone National Park. We would always see what? Old Faithful. I don't know if you've seen Old Faithful. There's a picture of Old Faithful. But it's amazing because Old Faithful was always faithful. (laughs) We'd show up and go, I wonder if Old Faithful's going to spout. Yep, Old Faithful's good to go. You know, and every time we went, we would see this, and, you know, uh, it erupts every 35 to 90 minutes, like clockwork. It will spew for two to five minutes, and it will, the, the geyser will go 90 feet to 184 feet, basically every hour, boom, boom, boom. So just in your own life, how's faithfulness to the church of Jesus Christ? If this is where you want to serve, just being around is an unbelievable, awesome trait that heroes of the faith develop. Let me give you a second quality. Heroic servants demonstrate a good reputation. Now, many of you, your reputation is just so solid and strong and established. It's a no-brainer for you to be asked to serve the Lord because you're known. 
Your reputation is solid. You look at verse 3 and it says, again, brothers and sisters, choose seven men from among you who are known, who are known. So how is your reputation? Are you known? Do people know you? Are you around long enough because you're faithful, you know, these things build on each other, that your reputation becomes known because you're so faithful? What is your reputation like inside the church? You know, 1 Timothy 1, 2 says, now the overseer is to be above reproach. That's all about the reputation, that people have gotten to know you enough to where, wow, you're above reproach. 1 Timothy 3, 8 says, in the same way, deacons are to be worthy of respect. That's about reputation. Is there folks that are just, wow, you are someone to be respected. You're worthy of respect because that is your reputation. Uh, what about your reputation toward those outside the church? Wow, you know, the Bible even speaks about that. 1 Timothy 3, 7, he must have a good reputation with those outside, non-Christians. What do they say about our lives? Wow. Benjamin Franklin, he said this, it takes many good deeds to build a good reputation. That's how you build a good reputation, is through many good deeds. And Benjamin Franklin said it takes one bad deed to ruin it. <laughs> but it's through many good deeds that your reputation becomes known. You know, just being friendly around people here in this environment, you're building your reputation. Um, uh, Dwight L. Moody says, if I take care of my character, my reputation will take care of me. If you take care of your character by showing good deeds to people, let me tell you, your reputation is going to go skyrocketing. And guess what? People are going to be asking you to serve the Lord. It just goes with the territory. Let me give you a third quality, that uh, servants of the Lord, they develop. Heroic servants evidence being spirit-filled. You look at verse 3 again. They're talking about choosing these who are known and are to be full of the Spirit. Wow. Now, what does a Holy Spirit-filled person look like? That's a beautiful trait. It really is. And the answer is what Galatians 5, and 23 says. You know a person is filled with the Spirit by this, the fruit of the Spirit. This is not rocket science. It is love, joy, peace, forbearance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. If that fruit is in your life, you are constantly going to be asked by people, hey, can you serve? Can you join my team, so to speak? That's a beautiful character trait. This is the kind of person you want to help serve food in this distribution of food that was going on and the tension that's there. What kind of person do you want to serve the food in this tension-filled atmosphere that was going on back then in Jerusalem? A person who has love and joy and peace and patience and kindness. That's who you want in ministry. Ephesians 5.18 says, Do not get drunk on wine, which leads to debauchery, and still, instead be filled with the Spirit. Boy, to know someone filled with the Spirit, wow, that is a beautiful trait for someone to be a part of any ministry. So here's the first three qualities. I want you to talk about these a little bit. Uh, of those that heroic servants demonstrate, they're growing in, they're cultivating faithfulness, a good reputation, uh, Holy Spirit filled. Would you talk about this? Of these first three qualities of heroic servants, which one do you most like desire to grow in? Maybe you could say, well, this one maybe I'm strongest in. This is one that I really want to grow in. Maybe talk about that for a little bit. Go for it. Kick it around at your tables. Okay, let's look at the final 
three qualities that servants of the Lord develop. This allows them to serve the Lord effectively and also really qualifies them to be asked to serve more and more. Number four, heroic servants display wisdom. You look at, uh, again, verse 3, where the apostles are talking about who they should choose. They should be full of the Spirit, and it says of wisdom as well. Wisdom is just skillful living. That's really what it comes down to. It's a life that's lived according to God's Word. The opposite of a wise life is a foolish life, and that's a life lived according to the world. And the two are in contrast. So when you're looking for someone to serve the Lord, you want to be, you're looking for a person who manages their, their life with wisdom. That's who you want serving hundreds of people food or in any ministry at the church, someone who lives a life of wisdom. So what does a life of wisdom look like? Well, the book of James says this, who is wise and understanding among you? Well, let them show it by their good life, by deeds done and the humility that comes from wisdom. Then James talks about what wisdom looks like lived out. The wisdom that comes from heaven is first of all pure, then peace-loving, considerate, submissive. Are these traits part of your life? Full of mercy and good fruit, impartial and sincere, peacemakers who sow in peace, reap a harvest of righteousness. That kind of person, that kind of character, that's a wise person that makes an incredible servant in any ministry. So as time goes on, are you becoming more like that verse? Awesome. You'll be extended more and more opportunities to serve the Lord, and you'll be a more and more greater blessing to the area of ministry you're already serving in. Let me give you a fifth quality. Heroic servants, they just become responsible. They cultivate responsibility. And so many of you, oh my, you've just shown this in your life. It's just off the charts. The, your track record of responsibility that you show in your life, in all areas, it, it just rings out. It's like a neon sign. And spiritual leaders see that in your life. And because of that, you're so uh, attractive, Listen to what Jesus said in Luke chapter 16, verse 10. Whoever can be trusted with very little can be trusted with much. And whoever is dishonest with very little can also be, will also be dishonest with much. You know, when you're responsible with the little that God has given you, that's the first mark of someone that, that as a leader, you want to give them more. They're responsible with what you've already given them. And, you know, when I first started out in ministry years ago, wow, you know, somebody just shared with me, they just said, Mark, you know, uh, you focus on the depth of your ministry and let God worry about the breadth of your ministry. In other words, you, you give attention and care and show yourself responsible with the little that God gives you. And then, you know what? God will add to that little in time as much as he wants it to become. God will take care of that. So just be, it's all about being responsible with what God's put in your hands. I like what Luke, Luke 16, 11 says, so if you have not been trustworthy in handling worldly wealth, who will trust you with the true riches? And the true riches are spiritual riches and spiritual stewardship opportunities in ministry. The way we handle our earthly money, that is such a big thing. I need to share this with you. There are so many wonderful, talented 
pastors who have so much potential, and not only pastors, volunteers, spiritual leaders, but their life financially is just, it's so mismanaged that it prevents them from being used of the Lord in really greater ways. Because the Bible says right here, you know, the way you handle worldly wealth, and one of the things I always share with people, especially those that are aspiring into ministry, is do your best to get out of debts. Get out of debts. Now, there are some things, you know, we could get into, you know, a house that's different, that's appreciating, that's different. But credit card debt that's just killing you, it is such a, it is just such a stumbling block to being used of the Lord greatly in ministry. It just is. I hope that ministers to your heart, not in a condemning way, but in a loving way to give you hope. You know, we have great uh, financial advisors at our church to help in this area. It's so important. Being responsible with little things prepares you to being used of the Lord in spiritual areas, and that's exciting for your life, like the Andre principle. It doesn't get better when you're in a position where you're using the Lord, when you're using your gift in the context of the Lord's church. And handling money is a big test. It's not an easy thing to do. You know, you look at chapter 6, verse 3, it says again, uh, you know, uh, brothers and sisters, choose from among you. They're full of the Spirit and wisdom. And then I want you to notice this. We will turn this responsibility over to them. All ministry is responsibility. And um, I want to take a moment and look at verse 4. It says, And then the apostle said, we will give our attention to prayer and the ministry of the word. Wow. You know, I need to take a moment and just, uh, you know, just share a thank you to all of you in this ministry. There are, on every, any given Sunday, at least 50 people that serve in this ministry, that show up and make all this happen. When I show up on a Sunday, you know, I have the privilege of just loving people and teaching the Bible. That's all I have to worry about because you guys show up here early. You set this up, all these tablecloths, you know, videotaping right now, everything, food, just whatever. And the blessing, what I'm trying to share with you is your ministry doesn't just affect you. It, it, I'm saying this humbly, it really affects me. It allows me to pray It allows me to preach and teach. It frees me up so that I can do my ministry. And we're a whole, we're a body. And I'm just sharing with you, I am so blessed in this ministry to have so many of you. You give and you're a hero of the faith. And it it gives me the opportunity to do what God's called me to do. And you know the result of it all is you go to verse 7. So the word of God spread. The number of disciples in Jerusalem increased rapidly because God's people We're being heroes of the faith in the area of service, and everything just continues to grow. And I just thank the Lord for each and every one of you. Heroic servants become responsible. Let me give you a sixth quality uh, that heroes of the faith, these servants develop. And heroic servants are willing when asked. That's the final character quality, is that you're willing when asked. And that day came. Uh, It really did for these, you know, seven individuals. I promise you. If you cultivate these traits of just being faithful and, you know, uh, you have a, you're developing a good reputation, you're filled with the spirit of love, joy, peace, and all this, and there's wisdom in your life, 
you're reflecting that, you're being responsible with the little, it is only a matter of time before the Lord, you know, recognizes that in you through others who are in positions of leadership, and you're requested to, to move into areas of spiritual uh, leading opportunities. And that day came for these seven. They chose Stephen, verse 5, a man full of faith and the Holy Spirit. Also Philip, Procornus, Nicanor, Timon, Parmanus, and Nicholas from Antioch, a convert to Judaism. They presented these men to the apostles who prayed and laid their hands on them. These seven were asked. And you know, there came that moment in their lives when the next heroic thing they needed to do was say, we're in, we're willing to serve. And and there are times when, you know, you will be asked, and are you ready to say, okay, I'm willing to do that because I've been requested by a spiritual leader to serve in the church of the Lord Jesus Christ. And the Lord will give you discernment, but I'm just saying that a hero of the faith, when God, you know, leads them, they're going to say, yeah, I'll serve the Lord. That's beautiful. And I need to, again, just, I can't overstate this. I just want to thank so many of you because I believe every one of you somewhere in our church is serving the Lord. And it, we have an amazing church, don't we? It really is. And the reason it's amazing is not because of us. It's because of you. I, I, I mean, I, I really believe that with all my heart. It's not because of Mark or Danny or Larry. Um, you guys just lift us up. You support us. You pray for us. And then you're willing to step in the gap. I always say this. I mean it as a joke, but please don't misunderstand me. I'm paid to be good. And you're good for nothing. <laughs> Do you know what I'm saying? I, seriously, there are times I go, oh, God, here I am in my study. Uh, you know, 12 hours I'll be studying. I just can't even believe there are times, tears in my eyes, I get paid to do this? And oftentimes, I think of so many of you, you work 40, 50, 60 hours a week. Then you'll show up this morning. What is she, seventh grade? The seventh grader is here, 7.30 in the morning, setting up tables. And I go, God, what is that? That's heroic. There are hundreds of you who serve God selflessly. And it's so beautiful in your own area. And guess what? You may not ever get recognition of that. You just do it under the Lord. And it's so heroic. This is the beauty of the body of Christ. And it, it literally blows me away. And I'm humbled by it. So, The result, again, is that the word of God spread. The number of disciples in Jerusalem increased rapidly, and large number of priests became obedient to the faith. The result of all that we do results in the spreading of the gospel. Can I share with you something that just blew me away? We haven't shared this publicly, but I guess you're now getting it. And this is just to the glory of God. But God used three crosses this last year to watch this. See, globally, when we just talk about the global impact of our church, 400,000 people come to Jesus Christ as Savior and Lord. 
it's, it's totally mind-boggling what God is doing. And that's just through God's people doing what he's called them to do, giving sacrificially, serving the Lord. It's just, it, it really is amazing. You're a hero. Uh, I want you to talk about these last six traits and maybe just kind of reflect again, maybe a, a, where you're strong, where God might be growing you. But of these final three character qualities, which one do you most desire to grow in and why? Uh, maybe what's one that the Holy Spirit is speaking to you about? Take a moment, talk about that at your tables. Okay, let me uh, bring us back to our hero of the faith trait. And it's this again. I want to just kind of massage this into your heart a little bit, give the opportunity to just kind of think on this, maybe make some application in your heart. But again, one of the most heroic things you can do is willingly serve when extended the opportunity. You know, these seven, they're just ordinary believers. They just are. They're just growing in their faith, trying to make a living. These were not pastors. They were those that were just growing spiritually, just like you saying, Lord, use me, and they're growing and being faithful and growing in their reputation, being spirit-filled, displaying wisdom, becoming responsible, showing that responsibility with the little, and then willing when asked. Those are the traits of, of, of a servant. I want to read this story to you. One of you sent it to me. It's just great ending. His name is Bill. He has wild hair, wears a T-shirt with holes in it, jeans and no shoes. This was literally his wardrobe for his entire four years of college. He's brilliant, kind of esoteric, and very, very bright. He became a Christian while attending college across the street from the campus there's this very well-dressed, very conservative uh, church. They want to develop a ministry to students, but they're not sure how to go about it. One day, Bill decides to go there. He, he walks in with no shoes, jeans, T-shirt, wild hair. The service has already started. And so Bill starts down the aisle looking for a seat. The church is completely packed, and it's difficult for him to find a seat. By now, people are looking a bit uncomfortable, but nobody says anything. Bill gets closer and closer to the pulpit, and when he realizes there are no seats, he just squats down right on the carpet. Now, although perfectly acceptable behavior at a college fellowship, trust me, this has never happened in this church before, by now the people are really uptight, and the tension in the air is thick. About this time, the minister realizes that from way in the back of the church, a deacon is slowly making his way toward Bill. Now, this deacon is in his 80s, has silver gray hair, a three-piece suit, and a pocket watch. A godly man, very elegant, very dignified, very courtly. He walks with a cane, and he starts walking toward this boy. And everybody is saying to themselves, you can't blame him for what he's going to do. I mean, how can you expect a man of his age and of his background to understand some college kid sitting there on the floor. It takes a long time for the man to reach the boy. The church is utterly silent, except for the clicking of the man's cane. All eyes are focused on him. You can't hear anyone breathing. The people are thinking, the minister, he can't even 
preach the sermon until the deacon has to do what the deacon has to do. And now they see the elderly man drop his cane on the floor. With great difficulty, he lowers himself and sits down next to Bill. So Bill won't be alone. Everyone chokes up with emotion. When the minister gains control, he says, what I'm about to preach, you will not long remember. What you have just seen, you will never forget. That's character. It's the character of a servant. What I really want to share is you don't have to wait to serve the Lord until a minister asks you to do so. Amen? Just out of the character that the Lord is continuing to mold into your life, let the Holy Spirit lead you. Be like Deacon Bill. Be his hero even this week. Amen? Let's pray. Lord Jesus, we pray that you would help us to be more like Deacon Bill. Lord, that, that's a hero of the faith. Help us to partner with you, Lord, allowing your Holy Spirit to mold our character in the ways that we've talked about this morning. So we would just exude being a servant. And whether someone asks us to serve, Lord, you have asked us to serve. And you are the most important. You're the head of this church. And so may your Holy Spirit continue to just speak to us about this beautiful trait. Jesus, you said the greatest in the kingdom is a servant. So Lord, lead us, I pray, this day, this week, to be your heroic servants in the way you want us to go. We'll thank you. All God's people said,